Our message today comes from the book of Luke chapter 8, and so you can go ahead and turn there to Luke chapter 8 if you will. And if you were with us last week, you'll recall that Jesus focused our attention on two very important areas of his ministry with us, that of healing and that of faith. And today we're going to continue with that focus and specifically focus on the rewards of faith because the Lord has promised to reward us for our faith. And so I've titled the message today, The Rewards of Faith. And within those words are some of the most precious promises that God could give to us. The promise that if we will, through faith, believe and trust in Him, all manner of blessing and reward is possible for us. And so I would ask, do you believe that? Do you believe that? God has promised it, and He is trustworthy. Our Lord Jesus is loving and giving, and He's done everything that it will take to provide us with every blessing that we could ever need. And yes, many of those blessings will come to us whether we believe and trust in Him or not. That's because He loves all of us. But if we want to step on closer to Him and to receive even greater blessings from Him, then we have to do our part. We have to do our part. And that is faith. Faith. You and I must have faith in Christ. And the more intentional, and I want us to understand this, the more intentional our faith is within us, the more His blessings will flow to us. A verse in the Scriptures that we've quoted often that speaks of this necessity of our faith is Hebrews 11, verse 6. Listen to these words. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Folks, those are simple words. Simple words, but though they be simple, they're powerful. Powerful. Here God is assuring us that if we will place our faith in him, then all manner of blessing is possible for us. But may I again emphasize a very important truth contained in those words. It's that the extent of God's blessings and His rewards, they are directly related to the fervor and the diligence with which we seek after Him. That is so important because unfortunately, as we look around us at the body of believers today, and especially as we would look throughout many of our churches there is a very diverse group of people there. Some are very diligent, very intentional in their faith as they seek after the Lord. But there are others. There are others, and you know of them, that are barely more than spectators. They show up. They show up. But they're barely more than spectators. But that's not so now with these dear folks that we've been reading about here in the book of Luke. And as you might remember, we follow along verse after verse. And so these dear folks that we've been reading about here in the book of Luke, 
First, this woman that we studied about last week who had this continual flow of blood, a lifelong illness that she struggled with daily. She was willing to do most anything to find relief. And so with great faith, thought if she could only touch the hem of Jesus' garment, that she'd be healed. She sought Jesus with all of her heart. Now here today, this ruler of the local synagogue whose daughter was so sick that she was about to die. We'll read about it in a moment. He sought Jesus with that same fervor. He was in need and he had a diligent faith. Listen to these words beginning in verse 40 of Luke chapter 8. Verse 40. Now when Jesus returned, speaking here of Jesus and his disciples had been across the Sea of Galilee and they'd been ministering in the area of the country of the Gadarenes. Verse 40, now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus who was a ruler of the synagogue. A ruler is one of the officers of the church, much like a deacon or an elder would be. He was a ruler of the synagogue, and falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. And Jesus went, and as he went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all of her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who is that who touched me? When all had denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and they're pressing in on you. But Jesus said, But someone touch me, for I perceived the power had gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, She came trembling, falling down before him, and declared in the presence of all of the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now while he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, He answered him saying, do not be afraid, only believe, only believe and she will be made well. When he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James and John and the father and the mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, do not weep. She is not dead. She's sleeping. And they ridiculed him knowing that she was dead. But he put them all outside. He took her by the hand and called to her saying, Little girl, arise. Then her spirit returned and she arose immediately. And he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished. But he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Folks, let me remind us that these precious blessings that Jesus promises to those of us who have faith and who diligently seek after him. All of this is a provision of grace. His grace, a free, 
an unmerited gift from him to us. And we need to always understand that those words that I read there a moment ago from Hebrews chapter 11 were, were told that we will be rewarded for our diligent seeking of him. That does not in any way imply that we merit his grace, that we earn it somehow by our seeking or by our diligence. Grace, folks, is grace. It's always free and unearned by us. It's a gift from him to us, and that was what was taking place here. Let me take a moment and remind us about some of the blessed provisions of grace. We spoke about this last week. But I I want to say it again. God's grace is showered upon us essentially in two ways. One, through common grace. Common grace. That kind of grace that most often flows first through the hands of people. Through doctors, policemen, government leaders. And God's common grace can be received and it can be enjoyed by all men and women regardless of whether or not they have faith regardless of whether or not they believe in him. Jesus spoke of that in Matthew chapter 5 when he said, the sun will rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain. God sends rain on the just and the unjust. Your doctor does not have to ask you if you're a believer before he treats you. He's going to treat you whether you're a believer or not. God's common grace is also very subtle. And it's often received by people without them even recognizing that it came from God. They simply receive and enjoy the benefits of that common grace. And then they go on their way, ascribing its source to some form of nature, perhaps, or a person. They'll say, oh, I have the best doctor. But again, that common grace comes from God through the hands of those doctors. But it requires very little faith on our part. But that's not so for this next form of grace, this special grace, this kind of grace that comes directly from God's own hand. The kind of grace that Jesus showed to all of those that he would heal from their sicknesses and from the demon possession and and uh, the like. And unlike common grace, listen, unlike common grace that requires little or no faith at all, special grace does require faith. Sometimes great faith. And we see the necessity of faith being spoken about all through these scriptures. As with this woman here who had had this flow of blood and she had been healed. And as she touched the hem of his garment, she was healed. And Jesus said to her daughter, be of good cheer and listen. Be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And then this next person here, Jairus, as he pleaded with Jesus to save his dying child, Jesus said to him, do not be afraid, only believe, have faith, and she will be made well. I must confess to you folks that as I read these words, and other words like them, it all seems so very simple. Jesus doing his part, speaking and touching and healing people, And then the people doing their part, having simple faith. But unfortunately, as we know, it's really not simple at all. It's difficult. Yes, Jesus is who he is. 
And he does his part, and he does it perfectly well. He truly is the almighty and omnipotent God who spoke the whole world and everything in it into existence. And so as he walked out among the people doing wonderful and miraculous things, it was simply him exercising his great and mighty power and love. But the people's part, our part, that part of the equation that you and I must take, it's difficult. It's not easy at all. It is very difficult. Especially, it's not easy as it might seem as it was for these people. Now, I know that we each do want to believe and have a strong faith. I know that I do. But too often, too often, I fall short. And I would suggest that you do. May I suggest that we start to remedy that lack of faith? As I thought about how... I come right up to the point of trust. Now, it's one thing to have faith, but there is another step, and that step is moving from faith to trust. As I was pondering through this message this past week, I thought, what can I do more to get on past just having faith on into where I truly trust the Lord for what I'm praying for? I thought of two things. One of them is Romans chapter 10, one of the most important verses that you'll ever read. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, that's the first step. This is the first step to increase your faith. And it's true for every soul on the face of the earth. There in Romans 10, 17, it says the simple words, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Those are simple words, but they're profoundly true. You and I need to regularly immerse ourselves within the words of truth in these scriptures. And I'm not saying have your daily Bible reading. Too often that's a scan through, check off the list. No, what we need to do is regularly immerse ourselves within the words of truth in these scriptures. And as we do that, we need to listen carefully and truly hear the truths that we're reading. Jesus so often said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's what this is all about. We need to immerse ourselves within these scriptures and then we need to listen carefully to what these scriptures are saying to us. And then this next step, I believe, for myself at least, it might be as simple a matter as that of training. Training of my mind and my heart and my soul. Now unfortunately for me, and I fear that it might also be true for you in those first many years really of my salvation my faith was barely enough to keep me saved my habits and my behaviors changed very slowly and very little I simply responded to the matters of my day in much the same secular way that I had before I was saved I would consider those matters in front of me I'd make some logical decision and choice and then I'd go on about that business and with my rational intelligence available to me folks it's seldom occurred to me that I should turn from that kind of rational thinking to this new faith that I had found with Christ in matters of my health when I got sick I did like I'd always done I simply went to the doctor or I took whatever 
medicine I had in the cabinet. And for the most part, those doctors did well, and their medications did well. And so I would go on about my way. That was training. That was training. I was training myself up to depend upon those secular sources. And yes, they gave me relief to some extent. But I was training myself so well. Day after day, doing the same thing trains a person. It trained me and it trains you. And unfortunately, for so many of us, perhaps most of us, we can live out our entire Christian life without ever knowing that God would have us be doing something else. Reaching on past those old sources of relief. And all of this is so cleverly subtle. We grow up almost oblivious to the many other special provisions of grace that God wants to shower upon us. We're satisfied with second-hand grace. For myself, I have no doubt that that subtlety comes directly from the hands of Satan. That's the way he's described as being very subtle. He simply keeps our attention off of God. And although as believers, Satan can't really recapture our souls. He can't do that. But through distraction, he can at least keep us from this deeper intimacy and dependence upon the Lord that real faith provides. Now, thankfully, in these recent years, long after I first accepted Christ as my Savior, this matter of faith, especially as it relates to my health and to my finances, it's been drawn to the forefront of my considerations. And, and folks, no doubt, that's done by the Spirit of God. And that's the way God often does it with us. He often needs to bring us along slowly and carefully. I wish it were not that way, but that's the way he does it. And it's only as our minds and our hearts are more and more surrendered to his plan that he offers us more and more opportunities for faith. I want to emphasize here that I don't consider God's decision to draw us, me, further into faith to come from any wisdom or maturity on my part, especially to think such thoughts would be boastful and prideful. No, I believe that it all boils down to surrender. When we are willing to surrender who we are and what we're doing and all of our plans, all of our desires to Him, that's when faith starts to turn into reality. But folks, listen, that surrender is like all forms of God's grace. It's a gift. It's a gift when I can surrender myself over to Christ in matters, especially in matters of health, when my health may be pressing in on me. But He wants us to take a step of faith, all coming from that surrender. He wants us to take those steps of faith. And you and I have to do our part and take those steps. Just as I've shared with you on other occasions, when those Levites were carrying that ark across the Jordan, they had to first put their foot in the water before that water parted. And as they put their feet into that water, it did part. That's what God is saying to us in this matter of surrendered faith. We have to take those steps. That's our part. Faith is willing to believe as Jairus was willing to believe. 
that his daughter would be healed. And yes, we will suffer some, perhaps a lot more, simply because waiting upon the Lord for his answers and for his healing can often take time. And it'll require some suffering on our part. But without our doing our part, he's saying to us, that's not pleasing to him. It's pleasing to him when we do our part, when we diligently seek after him, and that's when he is the rewarder of those who do seek after him. Those words again, without faith, and our exercising that faith, without faith it is impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Folks, that is such a wonderful promise. And faith is our relationship. Exercising faith is our part of the relationship with Christ. With faith, you and I can do things that we could not otherwise do. Things that we probably can't even imagine. But listen, these words are also telling us that without faith, we can do nothing. Here in our scripture text, we see two people exercising faith. One, this woman who exercised faith believing that if she could just touch the fringe of his garment, that she could be healed. And it was true. Now again, Jesus always had the power to heal. But it seems that it took that second part of the equation, her faith, to bring her healing to fruition. It took her faith to provoke her to seek after Jesus, to work her way through the crush of that crowd and to touch his garment. That was diligence, diligent faith. Now, would this woman have been healed had she not done that? Had she had some lesser form of faith? Perhaps. We don't know. We don't know. Just as we're told here in Hebrews eleven six, faith, believing faith, strong believing faith, diligent seeking faith pleases God. It pleases him. This dear woman, with her diligent seeking, pleased God, and she was rewarded for her faith. Now, folks, there's another element that's being given to us here. This is very special to me, and it should be to you. It's a dimension of faith that's being shown to us in both of these people. First, the woman, her faith was rewarded in her own healing. But this next one, I love this next one. With Jairus, it was his faith for the benefit of his daughter that pleased God. Both of them pleased God with their faith. But this was something special. I want you to think with me for a moment. If Jairus's faith could bring about the healing, yea, even the raising from the dead of his dear daughter, then perhaps, listen, perhaps our faith can reach out beyond our own needs and can draw upon the blessings of God for the benefit of some of our loved ones. Perhaps our faith can bring about the healing or even the salvation of our own daughters and sons, husbands, wives, anyone else. Isn't that a wonderful thought that your faith your diligent faith might reach across a boundary beyond your own needs and meet the needs of your children or grandchildren, those that you love 
so diligent, so fervently. Faith on behalf of another person has been the cry of so many a mother and father throughout time. And it's the right thing to do. We know that that's true because that's the desire of God's own heart. To do things for the benefit of others. And it all comes through faith, through believing faith. So my question is this. Do you already have that kind of faith? Do you have that kind of faith? If you're like me, you do not. Sadly, I do not. How do we then begin? It's what I was saying a few moments ago. I mentioned that some of our difficulty in having a strong believing and diligent faith could be as simple as our having trained ourselves wrongly. We learn to live without faith. We learn to live without faith when we were unbelievers, and then we just carried that on forward into the days of our salvation. We developed habits of seeking those blessings and relief from all those other needs through secular sources. We wouldn't wait upon the Lord for His provision of finances, so we'd go borrow the money. We did not wait upon Him for His solution to our health, and so we would go to our doctors. Well, folks, listen, before we close, I really want to retrain myself. Do you want to retrain yourself? I want to start being more intentional and more diligent in my efforts to seek the face and the hand of God to meet my needs. And yes, I'll need the unction of the Holy Spirit to help me and to guide me, to be the power behind all that I do. But I really do want to begin to do and to be more intentional with my efforts. I want to be more patient. And I want to ask God for His direction and His guidance in matters of my family, in matters of my finances, in matters of my health. God can use those common graces to help us, yes. But folks, I want to be patient. I want to have Him be more involved in my decision-making in all the aspects of my life. And yes, I'll suffer more. You'll suffer more if you decide to do that. Because waiting upon the Lord often involves suffering. It doesn't happen quickly the way we always like it to take place. But with all those many matters of my life, especially as I want to have this faith for those dear ones that I doubt are truly saved, I want to know if God will accept my faith somehow on their behalf. And I don't know how that works, folks. I don't pretend to know how that works. But it worked with Jairus. I want that special grace of God. I want to heed these words given to Jairus here. To not be afraid, but to only believe. Let me close with these words. Now faith is a substance of things hoped for. What is it that you hope for? Faith is a substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. If we go about our secular ways, we're not going to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. That he's right here. That he's all involved in all that we're doing. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Let's pray. Oh, Father, help us. 
we are weak and unable to do this at all by ourselves. It's only through you, Holy Spirit, your power, your presence, your unction, that we'll be able to do this. But help us. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.